G'day, welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. My guest today is Steve Williams. Steve is the Program Manager at the Office of Social Innovation at CQ University, where he specializes in working with external clients to co-design, collaborate, and develop innovative ways of addressing social and environmental problems. Steve also leads a regional Queensland Social Enterprise Accelerator Program for the university. He has started and managed numerous social enterprises over the last 18 years, and along with colleagues in the sector he co-founded and was the inaugural chair for three years of Queensland Social Enterprise Council. Steve led the Social Enterprise Seed to be awarded the National Social Enterprise of the Year and two years later was part of the team to win the One to Watch Award from Social Traders. Steve is a qualified yoga practitioner, meditation teacher and is a mindful coach. He is the founder of Mind Flow Grow, a social enterprise that helps change makers break from stress, be happier, highly productive at work and deeply present at home via coaching, online programs and events. My discussion with Steve focused on leadership in the context of the social enterprise. Thanks again for joining us and I'll hand over to Steve. Steve, thanks again for uh, joining us on uh, Talking Leadership TV. So this podcast today is going back to my original questions around the leadership themes. And I'd like to start by asking you, if I could, your leadership and its beginnings. Where did that start for you, mate? Well, um, you know, my background is really uh, is really pretty varied. You know, I, um, you know, I grew up in the UK and I started my career in the UK actually in in trades and then I kind of drifted into community work and ended up doing a social policy degree and um, moved to Australia and really I suppose my leadership mm, started to develop really when I began to manage and look after social enterprises and you know started to have staff that were reporting to me or you know um, stakeholders that I needed to engage with and you know, leadership is a is a is a kind of ephemeral term, isn't it? It's really difficult, I think, to define, and it's really difficult to really identify when somebody clearly becomes a leader, and then you know, understanding well what do they do to develop their leadership, especially in those early days, because um, you, yes, there's courses now, and you can go online and do an, a leadership course, but you know, 20 years ago, it was a bit more difficult to identify, well, how do I develop my leadership capabilities? And am I, in fact, even a leader at this point in time? Steve, that that's great. And in fact, you've, you've helped um, answer the second question around your definite, definition of leadership, sorry, and that that can be a bit of an amorphous thing. But let me let me step back a bit and dig a little deeper into the weeds, I guess. Um, in your travels, you've obviously met people in leadership roles. When you met and interacted with leaders, entrepreneurs through your travels, what what were the things that that stood out that stood out when you met some of these people in terms of their leadership approach? I think the the leaders that have really stood out for me are people who have and this really does go into kind of, I think, my kind of definition of a leader is people who have got real presence. And that doesn't mean that they're charismatic, but it means that they have a presence about them that that is developed really because they're present with you. So the ability to be present with somebody does create presence for somebody. 
uh, added to that, you know, leaders who show deep compassion, not just for their staff or the people that they're leading, but for the whole of society. They're the people that have really stood out for me. You know, people who really demonstrate kind of some of those key characteristics of servant leadership, you know, leading for the greater good. And I, I just wanted to mention one leader that has continuously stood out for me over the, the past sort of 10 years, probably, that I've known him. And that is Lali Waratungai from the Westpac uh, group. He was leading the Davidson Institute and did um, some work around mentoring in, in social enterprise quite a few years ago. And and we've always stayed connected. And I think Lali is a, an amazing example of somebody who displays servant leadership. Just um, just to clarify a, a couple of things there from your experience, um, from that the social enterprise view of the world and the industry that you you've devoted at least a couple of decades of your life to, what are you seeing at the moment are key leadership issues? That that's probably part one of what of what I want to ask, and then part two, are there any issues that are that you believe are unique in terms of leadership to your sector? Yeah, look, I think uh, a key issue in the social enterprise sector uh, for leaders is burnout. And, you know, that that's probably not just in the social enterprise sector, is it? You know, it's across society. And, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, but burnout, you know, there's new definitions coming out from the World Health Organization, for example, or on burnout and stress. Um, and, you know, we're seeing it not just in the social sector clearly but you know also clearly really clearly in in corporate life too i think that the problem though for people in the social enterprise sector and you know i, I kind of use this term change makers as more of an overarching term because it doesn't just take into account people who are classically social entrepreneurs but it takes into account the broad range of people who who work around the ecosystem of social enterprise and might be supportive of social enterprise in some way. Um, what I think that what we're seeing is people are so invested in caring for others that they've kind of forgotten to care for themselves or they put it on the back burner. And, you know, that's the kind of maybe the negative side of servant leadership is you're prioritising the greater good, but sometimes you're, you might prioritise it over your own self-care. And I think that this is a real issue. Um, now, you know, to address that, as well as my role at the uni, I decided to develop my own social enterprise that you mentioned in the introduction, Mindflow Grow, because I really recognise that to help people who care for others, continue to care for others, they need to develop self-care. And so that's exactly why I developed that social enterprise. Yeah, that that's interesting. So the 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 type of personality, the type of human being that that gets involved in that social enterprise space is, as you're saying, and I I have no reason to doubt you. In fact, it, it makes intuitively a lot of sense that they want to give and help the, the vast majority of people when and where they can. That inability to see potentially that you are burning out or you're getting stressed out. You're, you're, I think you're 100% correct. It's not unique to one sector over another, but I think where the 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 heart plays a space and you're you're working in a sector that is about giving to others and not necessarily thinking of self, 
that can lead to all sorts of um, potential issues for the person or persons working in that space. And so, is it is it um, is it wrong of me to suggest that leaders in your space need to have in their leadership toolkit their their skill sets and ability to identify when they're seeing burnout in others, but also what are the triggers for themselves so that they're maintaining self-care but taking care of their team is that do you think that's been lacking or is that just not being given due attention and I don't mean that lacking in a negative way it's just that of all of the key priorities a leader might have in in that social enterprise space that thinking about burnout is not top of the list yeah I mean I mean possibly you know I, I don't obviously I can't speak for other individuals but I think that not, not not only do you know people in the sector deeply care about others and and sometimes they forget to care for themselves i think that there's also an issue around uh as particularly as people get into leadership positions and i have seen this is they're so driven to solve social environmental or cultural problems they're so driven it's like they're going to work 16 hours a day to solve the problem that they're working on, you know, with other people often. That that's not good for anybody. You know, and this is, I think, when the problem comes is when people, it's almost like there's this kind of disembodiment period, you know, where where people are not recognizing the stress and the signs that their body's giving them. So they might be continuously getting viruses, the cold or flu or whatever, or they might be having, you know, bad neck, shoulder, backs, you know, whatever it might be but they're kind of always ignoring it and they're putting that on the back burner because they're really focused on solving the problem that they're trying to address. So, yeah, I think that there needs to be some some more kind of opportunities for well-being in the sector. Now, we know that that, that policy, and I did a social policy degree many, many years ago, but uh, we know that policy really influences behaviour. And we know that there are new psychological well-being and safety policies that are being rolled out, you know, amongst the states and also in the federal government, too. So policy will create change in this space. And it will be really interesting to see how quickly that takes effect. Yeah, I have to agree. I think um, if, if it gets to the the point where you need a legislative intervention for some of this, maybe the problem's bigger than people um, give it credit for and, and then I think what you're talking about and ironically I've done a podcast with a, a good friend of mine around the HRIR changes that are coming that did this idea of um, psychological safety and, and issues around workplace health and safety where that's mm. concerned um, are going to potentially become more paramount into the future and, and what what can an organisation and what should the leadership be doing about engineering jobs so that you try and minimize as best you can the impact of stress on a person um, as they're doing their job and and in some industries that will be significantly easier than others because of the nature of the work so one one thing that came to mind uh, in that discussion uh, was around people that work say as air traffic controllers You, you don't have the ability to make that job any less stressful than what it typically is because you're 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 undertaking a role that is critical for the lives of hundreds of people on a hourly basis, and so I'm sure I'm sure they don't think about it on a 
on a minute by minute basis, but it, it's stressful for a reason. And um, how much you can engineer that away is is um, is open to debate. But yeah, very much hear you, hear you about the the people in your sector, and I think it still leaves leaders in all sectors with a responsibility to look at something there. And obviously, if we're talking about it now, you're thinking about it, which is a good thing. Mm. Um, let me ask you this, Steve, around um, leader capabilities. So I have a list in my mind of what I think are, are critical from my perspective, but we're here to talk what your perspective is. So what what for you are critical leader capabilities? Yeah, I think it goes back to a couple of those things that I mentioned earlier around um, really about developing the ability to be present. So th- this is all really kind of classical mindfulness stuff. And it's, it's you know, mindfulness is not just a practice that we do sitting cross-legged on a mat. You know, this is mindfulness is something that we practice all day, every day, you know, in our lives. And so some of those things are, you know, being present with others practicing really deep listening being compassionate and really allowing other people to grow and shine you know with kind of curiosity for what's going on for other people but also i th- a big thing for me is around radical responsibility and that that's what i practice in my life and that's also what i try and encourage other people to practice too is to kind of stop this you know, blame, there's two things really. There's these notions of blame, shame and guilt that we all go through in our life, right? So we we all carry it around in our heads, these repetitive thoughts that just pop up at different times. Now, I label them as, my, my one of my principal yoga teachers labels them as blame, shame and guilt. So that might be about something that we did when we were six or something that we did last week or last year. It might be something that we said, something really inappropriate. And we're like, oh, my God, did I really say that? And it keeps arising. So we encourage people to to drop that and use some practices, teach people some practices to be able to drop the blame, shame and guilt. But really importantly, it's also important to drop the blame, shame of other people that you put onto other people and the guilt trips that you try and lay onto other people. Now, obviously I'm not saying you, Eric, but you know, a lot of people do this. So something goes wrong at work, they automatically blame Dave in accounts or, you know, whoever it might be, instead of taking responsibility for their own part in whatever happens. And I think that this is a really big thing in leadership when we can take that radical responsibility. Yeah, sorry, I was just thinking to myself, I've, I've never blamed Dave in accounts, but if Dave in accounts doesn't pay me on time... Um, oh. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is Dave's responsibility. Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, look, uh, Steve, what, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I've, I've tried to avoid the topic, but I think it it, it needs to be discussed. And um, given that it's it's our conversation, I, I don't think it's... um stretching the friendship too much by asking about a post-COVID-19 workplace. So from your viewing of, of, from your reading of the tea leaves and from what you've seen from your sector's perspective, do you think leaders have cha- changed the way that they practice leadership because of what we went through with COVID or have no lessons been learned or is it somewhere in the middle? 
God, that's a really interesting question. You know, and I, I work, uh, as you know, I work at the university. So we've got several different divisions, several different kind of leadership styles, I would say. Um, and uh, I, I would imagine that across those divisions, there there will be different, there will be very different ways that people lead their teams. And I think that there's different levels of trust that people have now this isn't just at the university for my colleagues who are listening but you know it could be in any for example in a corporate where you might have you know multiple streams of leadership there'll be people on on one end of the spectrum who don't like people working at home because they don't trust them they just think that they need to come back to work and then there's people at the other end of the spectrum who are completely trusting of their team and they've just got that kind of well, you just do the job mentality and it almost doesn't matter how many hours you work. You just do your job. You, you know, get results for the business, for the organisation. And that's good. Well, that's good enough. So I think it's about where people sit really on that continuum. What I do know for myself is that uh, my director at the uni is, you know, fabulously flexible. Uh, it definitely has that kind of servant leadership um, approach um, and puts absolute trust in his team to deliver results. The key there is there is no micromanaging. So he employs really good quality people and then he lets them get on with their job. But with the knowledge that we can check in with him at any time we want and his door is always open. So I think that that's a really good example where it's working well. Um, as opposed to obviously that kind of micromanaging style of leadership, which, of course, really does come from the anxiety of the leader. It's got nothing to do with the team. It's it's absolutely to do with that leader and how they feel about themselves. Yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, my experience of it for what this is worth is my previous board were very good at, at giving me um, almost complete autonomy to do the work I needed to do with very little um, or any micromanagement or any, any management to the degree that it was stifling of what I needed to do to to, to deliver. And in fact, my former chair, uh, president, sorry, of my previ previous previous um, uh, organisation was very much um, getting contact when I need to get in contact or um, vice versa. So if he needed to discuss something or wanted to lay a proposition to me, he would do it as a way to bounce ideas in a very collegiate way, which is um, which is a way that I like to work. But I, I find that my situation was not typical of the typical work situation because my, my previous role was that of a CEO. But I, I understand from a staff point of view, yeah, what you just described in your workplace is optimal, I think, is a great way to be. Um, but there are leaders that, like you said, and, and they exist in every form of, of industry, you're not for profit, wherever you're working, that you have leaders that do not trust mm. their people to get the job done. And that that speaks volumes about the culture and the place versus anything mm. else. And I, I get the feeling and, and I hope that I'm wrong that I don't think a number of lessons have been learned uh through the COVID process about what yeah staff want from a job and that is going to have implications and um, I keep reading and, and seeing things about the the quiet quitting um the 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 um the change in employment patterns and the, the work from home request or, or altering how we work in the workplace 
is going to be um, it's going to provide leadership headaches, I think, into the future for not thinking about those things now because um, hanging on to good people is going to get more difficult in the future if, if leaders aren't open to what is going on in their own businesses. And, and you made that fairly clear. So thank you for that, Steve. Um, the next question, mate, and this this one is one I, I, I'm never going to get rid of this in the podcast and I'm, I'm very keen to find out what you're thinking is, the nature versus nurture question. Are leaders born or are they made? <laughs> well, you'd have to say both, wouldn't you, I think. Um, yes, I mean, so interesting. I mean, I would say that it's mainly nurture. You know, uh, I think that we can all learn to be good leaders. Um, I think that, you know, the, the word trauma and the kind of understanding of trauma is you know, growing, you know, each day really in society. So I think, you know, young children experiencing trauma, that is going to impact potentially on their leadership capability. So we we have to kind of be aware of what type of trauma people have been through. Uh, that doesn't mean that we need to ask people uh, about their trauma. It just means that we have to have an, an awareness. But again, going back to my kind of, you know, my style of leadership around mindfulness is anybody can learn to be mindful because, you know, if we think about, you know, being mindful, it really is. It's just about staying present, you know, in the present moment, noticing and accepting what's happening. Like, that's it. When we kind of use that as that framework to develop some leadership capabilities, it, it just goes back to that list that I've mentioned, like now, you know, two or three times, you know, deep listening compassion allowing other people to grow curiosity radical responsibility you know these are the things that we can all develop so i think in that case it's most definitely a kind of a nurture answer but i i have these kind of these three things that i i guess they're i i think of them as my core three teachings in my kind of yoga meditation and mindfulness work and that's really to help people to come back to the present moment so it's always about coming back to the present moment then the second thing is about relaxing and letting go so when we think about tension how is it stored in the body you know we become really tense we're uptight our body hurts but our mind also hurts because our mind is tense you know mind body connection and then the third thing is that practice i call it practice is experiential and cumulative so that means, therefore, that we have to develop some type of practice and do it every day so that the benefits accumulate in the system. And then that affects our whole life. And now it doesn't have to be, as I said earlier, you know, sitting in a, you know, cross-legged in a cave, you know, in a on a yoga retreat. It really is around just three kind of simple things of, you know, being mindful in the day having some movement, you know, make sure that you're moving your body uh, and practicing some short meditation. You can do those things in, you know, 15 minutes and, you know, people's lives really greatly, greatly improve. And that can really heavily influence how you are as a leader. Yeah, could not agree more. Steve, final question. Uh, and this is definitely focused on you because you're my guest today. Looking back on your leadership pathway, what would you say to a younger version of yourself about being a more effective leader? Um, 
Now, I haven't uh, really haven't thought about this one, but I would absolutely say to drop your ego, to stop grasping for success and putting other people down on the way. And that's kind of, you know, a painful thing to admit, you know, especially publicly on a podcast. But, uh, you know, in my definitely in my earlier days as a leader, as I was, you know, kind of coming up the the system, as it were, and, you know, I was getting some success and we won some national awards in, in the social enterprise I was running. I, I didn't realise this, but I was actually, you know, often putting people down in conversations and a good friend of mine who actually was the co-founder of the one of the co-founders of the Queensland Social Enterprise Council with me pulled me aside one day and said you know it's really deeply unattractive the way that you put other people down and it it so shocked me because I thought I was kind of a bit woke you know uh and this was probably I don't know 12 years ago or something and it really sent me on a course of some deep reflection. And I realized it was about, you know, just having a kind of fragile ego. And that was one of the things that really helped me start on this lifelong journey of learning um, and mindful behavior. So, yeah, drop, drop the ego, stop putting other people down and stop grasping for success. It will come anyway. Uh, words to live by and, and and very good advice so steve thank you for your time today before we go I'll, I'll make sure that i put links to the work that you're doing and for people to be get, able to get in touch with you but if they did how best to get in touch with you mate oh so there's uh, two ways so for my social innovation work at the university it's simply um they can google social innovation at cq university and the, you know, any of the contact means of contact through that uh, website will get will get back to me. Uh, and the second one is my website for Mindflow Grow, which is literally mindflowgrow.com. Uh, and you can contact me through there. I'd like to thank Steve Williams for his time today and appreciate his views on leadership in the context of the social enterprise. Thanks again for all your support. Please drop a like if you can, or if possible, please subscribe to the channel to help it grow. Thanks again. Have a great week. Look after yourselves, and we'll catch everyone on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.